Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Toward Light Podcast. Last week, I talked about what led Siddhartha Gautama to leave his home and become a spiritual seeker. I will continue the story of the birth of Buddhism in a moment, but I want to touch on why I think knowing this history is so important. On a recent episode of the On Being podcast with Krista Tippett, she interviewed the artistic director Brian Dorries. He brings ancient stories, Greek myths, to modern audiences. And one thing he says about why doing that work is so important is that it helps people feel, quote, you are not alone across time, end quote. And this is what I want to remember every time I tap into these Theravada Buddhist teachings from 2,500 years ago. I am not alone. I am not alone across time. The themes from the teachings then are still relevant to me now, today. And this temporal universality can help me understand the truth of the interconnectedness of beings and can lead me to compassionate action and wisdom. I'm going to give a very condensed version of what happened after Siddhartha Gautama saw the heavenly messengers and left home. He studied with different teachers, and every time he surpassed the teachers and their understanding, and they asked him to become the teacher himself. And he ultimately found that none of them had what he was looking for. He tried super severe ascetic practices, but he could not seem to get what he was looking for. He was practicing with five other ascetics, barely eating, but he saw that this wasn't bringing him to the understanding. Then he remembered a time as a child when he sat under a tree while his father worked. and He was able to access such peace and clarity in that moment. He decided to recreate that and was determined not to get up from under a tree until he found the answers he was seeking. As Siddhartha Gautama sat under the tree, he was attacked again and again by Mara. This is what I'm going to be talking about today is Mara. In the teachings, Mara is depicted as a celestial being who came to torture Siddhartha and thwart his enlightenment. But for me and for many who share these teachings, we interpret Mara as a personification of the difficult parts of our minds the parts filled with greed, hatred, and delusion, the parts of our mind that are critical and distracting and lead us astray. I'll share some of the ways that Mara attacks Siddhartha as he sat under the tree and share some parallels in modern life. I invite you to see which of these forms of Mara attack you. They may not all resonate in your personal life, but some of them probably will. Mara begins by trying to tempt Siddhartha with the possibility of power, sharing that if Siddhartha gives up this quest, he could become a great ruler and very wealthy. Power and wealth are common temptations in modern society. Growing up in the United States, I feel like I was indoctrinated into a culture where wealth and power are considered the goal. Becoming president or famous or rich were all modeled in the media in different ways as goals to strive for. And in the U.S. and many other countries, the difference in payment for work is not always based on experience or level of training. For example, someone might go to undergrad and graduate school to become a nurse and work in a community hospital and make less than someone who didn't do any training but became a quote-unquote social media influencer. The cultural message is that power, visibility, and wealth, or the illusion of wealth, is what's valued. 
and we internalize those cultural messages. So when we're making decisions about what classes we should take, what career path we should go down, or who we should vote for, we sometimes go against our own self-interest because we are tempted by the potential for power or wealth. Siddhartha had been wealthy. He had been powerful, the son of a clan chief. So he was able to see through this temptation. He knew that path would not lead to his ultimate happiness or freedom, so he was not moved from his seat. Then Mara attacks Siddhartha with fearful creatures and fierce armies, scary visions, armies attacking with arrows. I think of these two strategies of Mara as catastrophic thinking and the critical mind. I know not everyone experiences catastrophic thinking, but for those of us that do, it is pretty wild how these negative ideas can just pop up in random moments or in our dreams during sleep. For me, I often have catastrophic thinking on retreat. I can remember one time in particular when I kept imagining my dog Sally getting attacked by a bear. And every time that image came up, I had the opportunity to stick with it and flesh out the story or see through it like Siddhartha saw through Mara's scary illusions. While I've never been able to fully stop catastrophic thinking from arising, if I don't give it power, if I don't engage with it, it dissipates pretty quickly. As for the critical mind, this is one I have a lot of experience with, and I still have a long way to go in working with the critical mind when it arises. The attacking army of the critical mind contains both aversion and delusion, so it can take a lot to see through it. In the story, when the armies of Mara shot arrows at Siddhartha, he sees through the illusion and transforms them into flower petals. So when the critical mind arises, we first need to see that it is a delusion. What it is trying to convince us of is not the truth, and then we need to use compassion to transform the critical thoughts into kindness. An example, I'm in the kitchen, I drop some food on the floor. The thought arises automatically, gosh, I'm so klutzy all of the time. First, I need to see that that is a critical thought arising. Then once I see that, I can transform it by offering myself a compassionate thought, maybe something like, people make mistakes, or it's no big deal, or I love you, keep going. We have to see that these self-critical arrows are a delusion before we can transform them into petals. The critical mind can be very subtle, but some clues that's showing up are as if it's talking in absolutes. You always, you never, or there's a tone or a pace to the speech that's different than your normal self-talk. Mine is often faster. Siddhartha sees through these attacks. He knew these things could not truly hurt him, and getting up would not lead to his ultimate happiness or freedom, so he was not moved from his seat. Then Mara tries to tempt him through sensual pleasure, putting in front of him every type of potential sexual partner, trying to entice him to leave his commitment. Similar to the temptations of power and wealth, the temptation of sexual pleasure and other forms of lust was definitely prevalent in the culture I grew up in. There's a confusing phenomenon in the culture where sex is not openly talked about, and there is some level of shame when discussing sexual topics openly, while at the same time, so much of the media and advertising is sexualized. And not only are there these cultural messages, but sexual arousal occurs in the body, so there's an added layer of craving. Acting on sexual desire and other forms of lust without parameters can lead to breaking of commitments or harming of self and others. 
Sexuality is not inherently a problem. It is our relationship to it and our ability to see it as a form of greed that can help us have a healthy relationship with it. See if you can reflect on a time in your life where you were working toward a goal and some unchecked sexual energy derailed you. Maybe you stayed up too late with a lover so you couldn't function at work the next day or chose spending time with a sexual partner rather than keeping another commitment. It's a strong energy. It can move us from our path if we're not vigilant. Siddhartha saw through the external allure of these potential partners and knew that being with them would not lead to his ultimate happiness or freedom, so he was not moved from his seat. Finally, Mara asked, who do you think you are? What makes you think you're special? What gives you the right to wake up? Mara spoke this self-doubt, which can be a hindrance for so many of us. Self-doubt is a flavor of delusion because it's challenging how we value ourselves, which in itself is a delusion. So how do we work with self-doubt? How do we see it when it arises and challenge the delusion? We notice it when our self-talk includes words like can't, impossible, never, and when the word I is used repeatedly. When we see that self-doubt is arising, then we can connect into that feeling I was talking about at the very beginning of the episode, this feeling of universality, of not being alone in this doubt, in knowing that others have come before us and have been able to overcome this obstacle. This connection allows us to break through the delusion of separateness that self-doubt creates. That's what Siddhartha did. When Mara tried to sow the seeds of doubt, Siddhartha touched the earth, stating that simply with his presence on the earth, simply by taking a human birth, he was worthy and able to attain the ultimate happiness of freedom. It's said that the earth shook with that touch, Mara disappeared, and in that moment Siddhartha Gautama became the fully enlightened Buddha. Now, even after awakening, Mara continued to try and distract the Buddha and his followers, but every time they saw him for who he was, they said, I see you, Mara, and he disappeared. When these parts of our minds try and distract us from our wholesome purposes in life, we have the opportunity to see through them, which diminishes their power. Whether it's craving or criticism or doubt, when these states of mind arise, we can remind ourselves of Siddhartha's commitment to not be moved from his seat. And because he was a human being, just like we are human beings, we can find inspiration and trust in our capacity to also not be taken in by Mara. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.